I want to bring us back to the point that you were making about exploiting consumer behavior in a consumer internet business. You said that this is a time for soul searching in social media businesses, and, and you were part of building the largest one. What soul searching are you doing right now on that? I feel tremendous guilt. Um, I, think we, I think we all knew in the back of our minds even though we feigned this whole line of like, there probably aren't any really bad unintended consequences. I think in the back, deep, deep recesses of our minds, we, we kind of knew something bad could happen. But I think the way we defined it was not like this. It literally is a point now where I think we have created tools that are ripping apart the social fabric of how society works. That is truly where we are. And I would encourage all of you as the future leaders of the world to really internalize how important this is. If you feed the beast, that beast will destroy you. If you push back on it, we have a chance to control it and rein it in. And it is a point in time where people need to hard break from some of these tools and the things that you rely on. The short-term dopamine-driven feedback loops that we have created are destroying how society works. Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to Solutions Watch. I am James Corbett of CorbettReport.com. It is August of 2022, and those are the sobering words of Chamath Palahapitiya, who some might know was one of the original developers of Facebook, someone who was around since the company was one year old and became the VP of user growth, talking about how social media is ripping apart the fabric of our society and we need to start walking away from it. Um, pretty, pretty interesting words, but by no means singular or unique in the world of social media developers and creators. Viewers of the recent Media Matrix trilogy, the documentary that I just released over the past few weeks, will, for example, at the very least, be familiar with that clip that I played of Sean Parker, Again, someone uh, intimately associated with, with, uh, with Facebook from its earliest days. Again, warning about social media and saying, we knew that we were engineering, using social engineering tools to basically manipulate your own brain chemistry to get you addicted to this. We knew what we were doing it, and we did it anyway. Um, again, there are lots of examples of this, of various social media entrepreneurs and developers who are now saying, I don't give this stuff to my children, I don't let them play with these devices, I know that this is designed to engineer them. So there's definitely something really important happening here that we really need to talk about and to start examining, not just as a problem, but what are the solutions to this? This is an incredibly important thing. But I will note, with some interest that um, from the very beginning of when I started releasing this, for example, with episode 420, where I previewed the Mass Media A History online course that is now available at newworldnextweek.com, uh, by playing various clips from that and talking, uh, inviting people simply to reflect on and perhaps note down how many hours per day they spend in mediated reality, I note it's an interesting phenomenon. A lot of people interpreted that and put their own, I think, spin on it, that that was me saying we must reject all media and all mediated reality, which of course would be a rather uh, obvious performative contradiction for someone who literally 
this is what I do. This is what I do for a living. Uh, you are here and I am here in this media space interacting right now. So I, I'd like to think that it was obvious that I'm not saying we must reject all form of mediated communication. But I do think it is important that at the very least we become conscious of, we think about, we reflect on our time spent in mediated reality and what that really means. Because that is a question that is becoming more and more and more and more important as we get further and further and further into this mass media revolution explosion that I start back at the printing press mid-15th century. There are different ways that you could situate that history. But anyway, we there's no doubt about it now. We are deep into it. In fact, as I recently noted on in my conversation with Ernest Hancock at Declare Your Independence, I did note that stunning, bone-chilling article from a few years ago now, noting that the average American now spends 11 hours per day consuming media. 11 hours per day. Like, that doesn't... It's almost... It's almost incomprehensible. I almost can't understand how that figure could make sense. But then you go and look around at people constantly in their smartphones, constantly with their earphones on, constantly with some sort of screen in front of them. And even when they're interacting with people, chatting with them via text or using their social media to communicate with their friends, or maybe on the phone uh, or a Zoom call or something like that. Media, 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 media. People are absolutely embedded in media for, at this point, the vast, vast, vast majority of their waking lives. That's really an important phenomenon, and one that I think we do need to reflect on and perhaps do something about. Now, I do not necessarily think that the answer is going to be neo-Luditism. At least, asterisk, not the answer for everyone. Maybe there are people for whom that is the answer. But even if that was the answer, I just don't think it is a realistic answer to this problem that we're facing. More on which later. But first, let's cogitate on one particular subset of this idea of rejecting media technology or whatever that may be. Um, for example, you will remember in the past, I have talked about this on this very series on Solutions Watch. We talked to um, Tim Kilkenny of Revelations Radio News about unplugging from the matrix. And if you go back and review that conversation, you will see that we talked about the idea of if not eliminating all devices and never going back to them ever again, but media fasts, media cleanses, stepping away from the internet for, for a day, for a weekend. Can you leave your phone at home and go camping and leave it all behind, even for a day? Um, again, this is, I think, at least an important thing that we need to understand, we need to be consciously aware of. Um, and I think the... If we're going to take a little subset of that today, which we are, then let's look at specifically social media use. Instead of the idea of giving up media, how about how about how about the idea of giving up social media or at the very least becoming conscious of and reducing our use of social media? You will, of course, remember that this is something that I have talked about quite specifically in the past. It is uh, over four years now since I released my video on delete Twitter, hashtag delete Twitter, and deleted my Twitter account. Why am I on Twitter? 
why am I on Twitter with all these crazy Twitter beefs going on and these tweets and this instant 280-character communication? The medium is the message, and the message of Twitter is, I hate you. <laughs> that really is. For anyone who's been on Twitter for any length of time, you see how quickly arguments or disputes can turn into hatred and just, oh, it, it, it really does amp things up in a way that would not be possible if, even if we were just emailing each other or something back and forth, these types of things wouldn't happen. It's, it's graffiti on the bathroom wall that millions of people can read. That's not a, uh, not something that we as humans have really learned to deal with yet, I would say. And it creates, it creates a lot of drama and these types of conflicts. So why on earth am I on Twitter? Well, I, of course, why am I on YouTube? I mean, we all know about YouTube, and I've been warning about YouTube for years and years and years, and I've been making podcasts and videos that I put up on YouTube warning you about YouTube, precisely because YouTube is where the people are, and the people who most need to hear this information are on YouTube. You have to reach into the matrix to get people out of the matrix. Um, I'm not on Facebook. I made that decision a long time ago, and I don't know if you know it. Corporate Report is not on Facebook, but it's true. Um, but uh, uh, Twitter, why am I on Twitter? In fact, I didn't even get on Twitter until 2011. 2011, so I was kind of late to the game. I mean, it, was, it was getting popular in 2008 or whatever, so I, I felt late to the game with it with that. But I did get on because, again, it's a place to promote the, promote the work and get, get people to understand and see th different things and hopefully reach people that I wouldn't be able to reach otherwise. But actually, even from that perspective... It's really not that helpful. I don't know if people who are on Twitter ever check their Twitter analytics, but if you do, the first thing you'll note is that they're misleading. Um, you, they'll show you that, oh, this tweet got so many impressions, 10,000 impressions, and from a 10,000 impression tweet, you might get an engagement of 500 or so. But that makes you think, oh, 500 people clicked on that link and went to read the article or watch the video or whatever. Uh-uh. <laughs> engagement means clicking anywhere on anything for the show more or to see comments or to like or to retweet or to click on the link. So any of those are engagement. So actually the number of people clicking on links is ridiculously small. That's the interesting thing. And something that, again, I've known this for a while. I've even talked to other people about it. Have you ever checked your Twitter analytics? Because I can check on my server. How many, how many hits do I get from Twitter? And from a tweet that gets 10,000 impressions or 20,000 impressions, I'll get maybe a dozen people actually clicking the link. A dozen. <laughs> it's, it's incredible, but it's true that you hardly get anyone on Twitter actually really following links and, uh, and looking at what they're retweeting and commenting on, <laughs> which I should know because, of course, I made a video about that recently. People don't read. They just retweet or rage tweet. Um, again, the message of Twitter is, I hate you. So why am I on Twitter? I mean, it's, it, I can't even justify it by saying that's where the people are. I got to promote. I, I could also say, well, you know, it's good for breaking news and stuff. You get the real time. But no, no. I found even myself, I make podcasts like the weaponization of social media, but I found even myself, I've become addicted. At any rate, it is something to do to pass the time. You got a couple minutes? Oh, I'll check my Twitter notifications. I'll see what's happening on my timeline. Why? Why? Why am I continuing to go back to that place? 
and knowing all of the craziness that, that this enables and perpetuates and the fact that it has been designed to make people addicted, no, no more, <laughs> no more, not for me. So I am deleting my Twitter account. Bye-bye, Twitter. Uh, sorry for all to the uh, tweeters out there who might miss my sterling contributions to the Twitterverse, but I'm sure you will survive without me. Hey, why not? Maybe you can even join me by exiting Twitter. Delete Twitter. Let's get that trending hashtag going on Twitter. That would be funny. Um, but at any rate, I'm out. I, have, I, I don't want anything to do with Twitter drama and this nonsense ever again, <laughs> to the extent that's possible, which uh, this stuff happens once a decade or, or so. So anyway, um, that is, that is the, I think, the good thing that's coming out of this. I'm off Twitter. I don't want anything to do with it. Twitter is a waste of mind time and is an addictive nonsense social media social engineering platform that they're of course they're scraping the data from we know that from what i reported in weaponization of social media they're creating entire databases of who you follow and what you tweet and what you don't tweet and and then they try to figure out oh why are these people tweeting this and they're your lab rats exactly as people are suddenly discovering facebook facebook is using our information and selling it to companies and people are using this yeah <laughs> yeah hello <laughs> welcome to the last 10 years of everything i been saying on my site yes this is what's happening same thing with twitter i mean maybe that'll be, be the big scandal a year from now well get ahead of the crowd and delete twitter that's what i'm doing and anyway i think that'll be the um the positive thing that we can take out of this entire kerfuffle remember that i do yeah four years and i absolutely do not miss twitter at all. And in fact, I've heard that from every single person who has ever gotten off Twitter. Video editor Brock West and others. Like, once you're off it, you're, you, all you can think is, why was I ever on it? <laughs> Interesting, that, isn't it? But yes, the medium is the message. I wonder where we've heard that before. And the message of not just Twitter, but most social media is, I hate you. Let's get in a fight. It's uh, sad, but true. And that isn't just some sort of contingency about this particular social media platform or that particular use of social media. No, no, no. It's something, it's something to do with the nature of the medium itself, which is a point that has been articulated by others, a point that you would know from if you have taken my Mass Media A History online course from Lesson 3, where I did go into that in some detail. But perhaps the most insidious part of all of this is the possibility that it is the nature of the medium itself which actually draws uh, our troll-like tendencies out. Perhaps all of us have a little bit of troll in us and it comes out in this, in this particular medium because of the bagism principle. No one knows me. No one can see me. I can hide behind this message so I can do things. And that gives us license to bring out parts of our personality that otherwise would not have a chance to express themselves. And this was an idea that um, was interestingly articulated in a book called 10 Arguments for Deleting Your Social Media Accounts Right Now, which will be in the recommended reading, and I will talk about it um, with some qualifiers and other things later on. But let's just read this passage in which uh, Jerron Lanier writes, but I noticed something horrifying all those years ago. He's talking about his early experience with the early, early internet because um, he was a uh, tech 
Silicon Valley type tech pioneer kind of guy. Um, and he was on in the early days talking about sometimes out of nowhere, I would get into a fight with someone or a group of people. It was so weird. We'd start insulting each other, trying to score points, getting under each other's skin and about incredibly stupid stuff, like whether or not someone knows what they were talking about when it comes to brands of pianos. Really, I'd stew between posts. I am not ignorant. I know about pianos. How dare that moron say those horrible things about me? I know I'll ruin his reputation by tricking him into saying something stupid. This happened so often that it became normal, not just for me, but for everyone. It was chaotic human weather. There'd be a nice morning and suddenly, a storm would roll in. And he goes on to make the point that it isn't just that there is a certain type of person who's just naturally an asshole. One of his points in this book is that the internet, the web, is making you into an asshole or is drawing those parts of your character out in ways that they otherwise perhaps wouldn't have the chance to uh, to find an outlet for. So there is something about the nature of this medium that I'm sure everyone in this in this conversation right now could relate to in some way. We've at least seen this happen, if not directly participated in it. And if we're being honest with ourselves, I'm sure there's been some aspect of this that has cropped up in all of our direct personal experiences and interactions online. What does that mean? Is that something that can be solved or is it actually part of the medium and the way that we communicate with each other in the bag of bagism? I think there's some incredibly important things to tease out there. Once again, that comes from lesson three of the Mass Media A History online course available now at newworldnextweek.com. And if you are perplexed by that passing reference to bagism at the end of that clip, then you might want to check out the uh, the course where I do explain that. But it seems pretty straightforward, right? It's not just that assholes and trolls are attracted to social media platforms, although there is that, of course. No, 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 but it is worse than that. It is that there is something about the nature of these social media that the the way that you are directed almost into a funnel um, through the various restrictions and strictures on the way that you communicate and interact with others on those platforms draws out your inner asshole. I won't say makes people into assholes, but brings out the worst parts of their character. And it is not something that is limited to certain people. It is across the board. It, it, it inevitably starts happening. And there's a lot more to say about that. And as I said in my mass media reading list, Questions for Corbett, I do recommend Jaron Lanier's book. I certainly do not recommend him as a political thinker or someone to be taken seriously on that stage. But talking about the nature of social media specifically and why you should delete your social media accounts, I think Lanier makes some good points. So, there you go. Solution done, right? We just stop using social media, right? That's the solution here, isn't it? Well, as I say, here I am. And unless you are one of the very, 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 very few people who follow me directly at my website and watch every video or download it or listen to it uh, directly from my server or download it uh, directly from my server, then chances are you are in uh, also here on social media, on BitChute or on Odyssey or, hey, maybe archive.org. Um, and hey, maybe you're on that fake Rumble channel, the Corbett Report Rumble channel that absolutely has zero, totally nothing to do with me, but 
looks like it's some sort of corporate report channel and posts my stuff, but it is not me and I am not on Rumble. Word to the wise. Um, at any rate, wherever, however you're getting this, chances are you're getting it through social media of some form. So here we are. So are we going to commit the performative hypocrisy? Delete all your social media, get rid of all social media, throw out all your devices, but keep listening to me, guys. <laughs> well, no. Although, honestly, I... It, if the entire summary of my work and everything that I've done has led people to the point where they are now happy to throw away their devices and go out and live their lives in a real world in a productive way with other people, that's that's awesome. <laughs> I, I hope that is the case. As I say, I don't think that will be the case for everyone. Um, I don't think that's necessarily the solution, and I don't think that's a realistic solution to what is happening here. So, what do we do? What is the real answer here? And we may have to face the point, the, the idea that there is no there is no pat solution here. There is no simple answer to this. There is certainly no one-size-fits-all for everyone in all situations answer. A point that was made at length and I think quite well by someone who takes a very, very realistic viewpoint on all of this, Neil Postman writing in Amusing Ourselves to Death, which, again, you will remember from my mass media reading list, Questions for Corbett, as one of the recommended books that I do talk about in the course. Uh, but Amusing Ourselves to Death was written in the 1980s and was primarily concerned about television as a medium, not social media. Yes, of course, but I think what he had to say is as relevant today as it was at the time he, he wrote it and as relevant to social media as it was to television, which he was uh, di directly addressing at the time. So from Amusing Ourselves to Death, Postman writes... Thus, there are near insurmountable difficulties for anyone who has written a book such as this and who wishes to end it with some remedies for the affliction. In the first place, not everyone believes a cure is needed. And in the second, there probably isn't any. <laughs> but as a true blue American who has imbibed the unshakable belief that where there is a problem, there must be a solution, I shall conclude with the following suggestions. We must, as a start, not delude ourselves with preposterous notions such as the straight Luddite position as outlined, for example, in gerrymanders for arguments for the elimination of television. Americans will not shut down any part of their technological apparatus, and to suggest that they do is to make no suggestion at all. It is almost equally unrealistic to expect that non-trivial modifications in the availability of media will ever be made. Many civilized nations limit by law the amount of hours television may operate, and thereby mitigate the role television plays in public life, but I believe that this is not a possibility in America. Once having opened the happy medium to full public view, we are not likely to countenance even its partial closing. Still, some Americans have been thinking along these lines. As I write, a story appears in the New York Times, September 27, 1984, about the plans of the Farmington, Connecticut Library Council to support a TV turnoff. It appears that such an effort was made the previous year, the idea being to get people to stop watching television for one month. The Times reports that the turnoff the previous January was widely noted by the media. Miss Ellen Babcock, whose family participated, is quoted as saying, It will be interesting to see if the impact is the same this year as last year when we had terrific media coverage. <laughs> In other words, Miss Babcock, Babcock hopes that by watching television, people will learn that they ought to stop watching television. <laughs> it is hard to imagine that Miss Babcock does not see the irony in this position. It is an irony that I have confronted many times in being told that I must appear on television 
to promote a book that warns people against television. <laughs> Such are the contradictions of a television-based culture. In any case, of how much help is a one-month turnoff? It is a mere pittance. That is to say, a penance. How, com how comforting it must be when the folks in Farmington are done with their punishment and can return to their true occupation. Nonetheless, one applauds this, their effort, as one must applaud the efforts of those who see some relief in limiting certain kinds of content on television. For example, excessive violence, commercials on children's shows, etc. I am particularly fond of John Lindsay's suggestion that political commercials be banned from television as we now ban cigarette and liquor commercials. I would gladly testify before the Federal Communications Commission as to the manifold merits of this excellent idea. To those who would oppose my testimony by claiming that such a ban is a clear violation of the First Amendment, I would offer a compromise. Require all political commercials to be preceded by a short statement to the effect that common sense has determined that watching political commercials is hazardous to the intellectual health of the community. I am not very optimistic about anyone's taking this suggestion seriously. Neither do I put much stock in proposals to improve the quality of television programs. Television, as I have implied earlier, serves us most usefully when presenting junk entertainment. It serves us most ill when it co-opts serious modes of discourse. News, politics, science, education, commerce, religion, and turns them into entertainment packages. We would all be better off, we would all be better off if television got worse, not better. The A-team and cheers are no threat to our public health. 60 Minutes, Eyewitness News, and Sesame Street are. The problem, in any case, does not reside in what people watch. The problem is in that we watch. The solution must be found in how we watch. For I believe it may fairly be said that we have yet to learn what television is. And the reason is that there has been no worthwhile discussion, let alone widespread public understanding, of what information is and how it gives direction to a culture. There is a certain poignancy in this, since there are no people who more frequently and enthusiastic, enthusiastically use such phrases as the information age, the information explosion, and the information society. We have apparently advanced to the point where we have a gra grasped the idea that a change in the forms, volume, speed, and context of information means something, but we have not got any further. All right, you can continue reading that passage from Amusing Yourselves to Death. Of course, I'll include the link to the archive.org version so you can borrow it electronically for free. Um, but there it is, and I think... Postman makes some extremely powerful points, and I think quite realistic ones. Yes, guys, let's all have a one one day. <laughs> That's what I've seen proposed recently. One day, one day a week, one day a month, where we all put our leave our phones at home and don't use social media or something like that. Or one month, turn off TV, the penance, and then go back to it slavishly after the month is over. Maybe that isn't the solution to what's happening right now. At any rate, do we know what... Did we know what television was? Do we know what social media is? Do we know what it actually means as a medium? How it is structuring society around it and what that means about the types of relations that it is possible to have in this socially mediated 
environment. Do we care? Are we going to start thinking about this? Are we going to start making this a conscious conversation that we have, not only with ourselves, but with others around us? In real life, even? Should we? Again, I am not here as the sage on the stage telling you what to do with your life. I am the guide on the side who is trying, very much trying, to bring this conversation at least to the attention and the consciousness of the public. And maybe it's like railing into a windstorm. It's not going to... Maybe my voice will not reach out that far. But I think this is something we do need to be cogitating on. And perhaps that is an idea. Perhaps that is why I started episode 420, the introduction to the mass media course, by saying... How much time do you spend in mediated reality? Maybe just note that down. Maybe for a week, just every day. How much time did you spend on this or that? Use one of those apps to track your phone usage or whatever. Whatever the case may be for that, that, that applies for you. But maybe just consciously noting it down might be the first step toward that. And then, given the information you get from that, well, maybe then you can cogitate, well, how do I, how do I feel about this? It says that I spent four hours on my phone today. I didn't, I, I had no idea. Whatever the case may be. Again, noting those feelings. And then, well, what, what does that mean? And how should I process this? And, well, should I change my habits? And how so? And how can I monitor that progress? Then you start to have actual concrete steps towards something that may be, if not a solution, as in, all done. <laughs> that problem's gone. At any rate, you could improve your life, potentially. So I, I think there's something there, and that is why I think that the concept of journaling is actually incredibly important and powerful, and thus deserves its own episode of Solutions Watch, which I will do in the future. But as I say, I am here to at the very least broach the conversation around this subject, specifically today in the very, very limited space of social media particularly, but we could apply this more broadly to the media question. And as I say... Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of perspectives that a lot of people will have on this, and I don't think anyone has the answer because I don't think there is a one size fits all answer for everyone in the on the planet. Um, but at any rate, we need to start thinking about what our answer to these questions might be. Having said that, you will hopefully know, <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> um, at the uh, towards the end of my mass media reading list uh, questions for Corbett, I did put out the call. For people who have taken, who have purchased and taken the Mass Media History online course or are in the process of taking the course, I did say that I would uh, be interested in doing a Q&A and I did put the tentative time frame of next week for that um, future edition of Questions for Corbett. For people who have any questions about the course, want to tease out more or find out more information about this or ask a question about that, anything to do with the course in particular, so far, I've received exactly zero questions. <laughs> nothing. Nada. Crickets. Absolutely nothing. So, <laughs> maybe there will be no Q&A. <laughs> if I even get a single question, maybe I'll have an entire question just answering one person's question. <laughs> but at any rate, the offer still stands for now. If you are, are someone who has taken the course, actually purchased the course, not 
someone who's just watched the previews or something. But literally, if you have purchased the course, if you, even if you are in the process of taking the course, even if you're not finished the course, if you have a question about any of the material that's come up, please send it in through the contact form. And uh, I'll, I'll certainly consider it for a Q&A if and when that eventuates. So having said all of that, again, I'm sorry that this is not some sort of satisfying, definitive step one, step two, step three, you're problem done. <laughs> but no one was really expecting that, was were they? At any rate, I am starting the conversation, and now it's your turn to get your say in on this conversation. So as always, I do invite Corbett Report members to log in to the Corbett Report website, specifically to this post at CorbettReport.com slash delete social media and have your say. What do you think about the topic that has been raised and where you think you or other people should be taking their view social media using and viewing habits? But before you do so, I will leave you with one more clip from that uh, video that we were watching at the very, very beginning of this edition of Solutions Watch. As always, all of the uh, videos and documents I've cited today will be available at, in the show notes at corporatereport.com slash delete social media. But that's going to do it for today. James Corbett, CorbettReport.com. It sounds like you're taking deep personal responsibility also in, in being a part of it. I kind of look, I did, a, I, did what I, I did a great job there. And I think that business overwhelmingly does positive good in the world. Where I have decided to spend my time is to take the capital that they rewarded me with and now focus on the structural changes that I can control. I can't control that. I can control my decisions, which is I don't use this shit. Um, I can control my kids' decisions, which is they're not allowed to use this shit. <laughs> um, and then I can go focus on diabetes and education and climate change. And that's what I can do. But everybody else has to soul search a little bit more about what you're willing to do because your behaviors, you don't realize it, but you are being programmed. It was unintentional but now you got to decide how much you're willing to give up, how much of your intellectual independence. And don't think, oh, yeah, not me. I'm a fucking genius. I'm at Stanford. You're probably the most likely to fucking fall for it because <laughs> you were fucking checkboxing your whole goddamn life. No offense, guys. None taken. <laughs>